Our next story comes to KHOL through the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition. The Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, passed in 1990, provides benefits to uranium mine workers and other Americans who suffered negative health impacts as a result of the nuclear weapons industry. The act is set to expire on July 10th, but there are still many people who qualify for help and haven't received it yet. So a new bill expanding RECA coverage is currently before Congress. Justin Higginbottom of KZMU in Moab spoke to some victims of radiation exposure about how their experiences turned into advocacy. Those sounds are trucks hauling material from the Moab Uranium Mill Tailings Remedial Action Project. The U.S. Department of Energy is cleaning up around 16 million tons of uranium tailings here on the banks of the Colorado River, waste from the Atlas Uranium Ore Processing Facility. Uranium created a lot of wealth in the region and helped the country build its nuclear arsenal during the Cold War, but it came at a price, like those tailings which are radioactive. And it's not only the landscape that was left scarred. My father was a former underground uranium miner, died at the age of 44 years old from lung cancer. And I also worked in the mine while I was in high school down in Colorado. That's Phil Harrison Jr. He heads the Navajo Uranium Radiation Victims Committee. It's been around since the late 70s. Many uranium mines and mills were on the Navajo Nation or used Navajo workers, like Harrison's father. Harrison says that out of five siblings... I think it's only myself, uh, my brother and my sister that knew my dad. The last three, they didn't know their father. And uh, so typical of all the former Navajo uranium workers. He says he's recorded over 400 other former workers in his community in Northeast Arizona who have died of lung disease. So we have uh, over 400 widows and we have children that didn't know their father, they didn't know their grandfather. So it's, it's very uh, discouraging. You know, when you go out to my community, there's hardly anyone around these days. Harrison has been involved in pushing legislation to help those impacted by the nuclear industry for decades. He says he helped draft the amended Radiation Exposure Compensation Act over 20 years ago. That amendment included expanded help for downwinders, those that were exposed to fallout from nuclear testing. Mary Dixon thinks that's her. It started because I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, which is one of the cancers that's pretty common from radiation exposure. I was only 29 when I got that. Doctors removed her thyroid, and then the treatment was more radiation. You drink radioactive iodine to destroy any remaining thyroid tissue. So I had on my hospital bracelet a little emblem that said, caution radioactive material. A doctor would come to her door and hold up a Geiger counter every day until she was not too hot. When she left the hospital, she was told to avoid pregnant women or share a bed with her husband for a time. Nothing makes you an activist faster than a diagnosis, I always say. Thyroid cancer is especially common for downwinders, and Dixon says the fallout from detonation spread much further than originally thought. If you were driving from Los Angeles to Salt Lake City on US Highway 91, you'd pass through St. George, Utah, population 4,562, just a short way from the state line of Nevada. That's footage from the United States Atomic Energy Commission. The government detonated nearly 1,000 atomic bombs at the Nevada test site. 
1997 study by the National Cancer Institute says that nearly every state experienced some fallout from that testing. It estimates that detonations caused tens of thousands of cases of thyroid cancer around the country. Since the rest of the town was sound asleep, only our night owl saw it, that great flash in the western sky. An atomic bomb at the Nevada test site 140 miles to the west. Dixon has also been working on expanding RECA for around 30 years. She was never eligible for benefits because her northern Utah county wasn't covered. That Cold War had casualties and still has casualties. People are still getting sick. Another issue she wants fixed, RECA only covers those working in mines and mills before 1972. Linda Evers can't receive benefits because she started working in a uranium mill in 76. I started on the labor gang in the mill, which was 90 days of do whatever they needed done, stuff like shoveling shoots out or scraping the acid tanks out or cleaning the yellow cake filters. We just worked everywhere. She was only 18 when she started. She says she then worked in what was called a crusher. That was part of the process to start leaching yellow cake from the ore. Well, I guess it was four and a half years. They got pregnant with my first child that was born in 79 with birth defects that had to be repaired by the time he was two months old. She went back to work for a different company, but it was similar. And then was off to have my second child in 82 that was also born with birth defects. She didn't link the birth defects to the mill at the time. We weren't told at all at any time how radiated we were getting. I had worked out there a couple of years before I ever saw a radon monitoring tag get put in my hard hat. She says those tags which detect how much radiation workers were exposed to were only collected once in the years she worked there. She thinks the owners and regulators knew what the risks to workers' health were. The problem is the protective gear is so expensive and we're, you're running massive amounts of workers through. You can't give every one of them a, a radiation suit because what if he only pans out for a couple of weeks? You wasted all that money. She thinks the radiation that harmed her children also gave her breast cancer and a degenerative bone disease. She helped found the Post-71 Uranium Workers Committee and headed around the country to survey workers like herself. She collected data from Monticello to Tennessee, but she felt ignored by Washington. She says the expanded RECA in Congress now is crucial. It would extend benefits for another 19 years, and it would include post-71 workers like herself. Well, it allows us to get the medical care that we need. Your regular family primary health care doesn't really know how to treat lungs that are scarred from radiation damage. She has to travel to Albuquerque for specialty care. Her Medicare doesn't cover the expenses. We were told every day we were doing our part to keep America safe. We were told every day. So these people are patriotic, very, very patriotic people that we feel like we've already given our lives for this country. Harrison on the Navajo Nation is trying to file as many claims as possible in the next two months before the act expires. He says it takes time to get the tests and documents required. Recently, he was helping one former miner who had lung disease. He says in rural and remote parts of the reservation, it's hard to get something as basic as a diagnosis letter. After four months, I finally got that diagnosis letter. So I was able to help him put a claim together. I sent it in. 
he received a notice a week after he died that, you know, his claim was approved. He says the pandemic hit those on the Navajo Nation with respiratory illnesses especially hard. He lost many former workers that could have received benefits. I feel that the uh, government has done a lot of damage and they took away a lot of our fathers. And my fathers had never seen what the Western world uh, has when they say the um, American dream. And they never knew what American dream was. They never reached their adult life. Harrison says he's heading to Washington within the month to plead his people's case to lawmakers. Until then, he can only start the claims process for others, even those he knows he can't finish in time. Justin Higginbottom for Rocky Mountain Community Radio.